Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Parker Fleming, recording this on Wednesday, July 20th, as we enter the dog days of the offseason, where we just recycle the same Twitter conversations over and over again until opening night or preseason, whenever we can finally have something else to talk about, until the next Woj bomb or Shams bomb drops. But you know what? Here we are. July 20th, Summer League had just ended, and I have with me someone who was very up close to the experience, and um, I'm excited to talk about what transpired in Summer League uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies. But before I do that and introduce my guests, let me tell you how you can keep in touch with the blog and with the podcast. So Grizzly Bear Blues is a blog on SB Nation. You can find it on the web at grizzlybearblues.com or on Twitter at SB and Grizzlies. And, the, and GBB Live is the flagship podcast for the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network alongside the Starting Five Podcast. Has old episodes of 3ND, the Core 4, and the Longview Podcast. And we'll be getting a couple of new projects coming on over the next week or so. You do not want to miss the announcements regarding that. Should all be some great stuff. We're very, uh, very much excited for that. But let's get on to the conversation. Once again, I'm your host, Parker Fleming. And with me is a Grizzly Bear Blues senior staff writer. He's also a sports analyst for WUTK's Rock Solid Sports. He's a co-host of the always popping Grizzlies Twitter spaces, Grindhouse spaces, it's Bryson Wright. Bryson, how are you doing this afternoon, man? And also, too, congrats on 10K followers. I didn't. I, I guess I missed that, but now now has, has the K in his Twitter. So that's awesome stuff, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I'm doing great. And, yeah, 10K, it just happened. It actually happened while I was at Summer League. So that, that was kind of cool. I kind of got to celebrate that while I was out there. But uh, very excited for everything that's going in. You know, thank you to Grizzly Bear Blues because I feel like one of the reasons I hit 10K is even just because of all the writing and uh, all the support from you guys as well. Yep, and obviously uh, Bryson has done great work from us. Um, 
ever since he's come on um, when it comes, whether it's game recaps, previews, features, podcast appearances, or coming and joining the uh, Grizzly Bear Blues uh, live event for the Alley's Allies fundraiser event. He, he's done it all. He's been a, a great piece for over at Grizzly Bear Blues. But Bryson, you got to experience Summer League. You're the first GBB year to experience Summer League, I believe, in like four years, I believe. I want to hear about your experience, man. How was how that for you? Well, yeah. Some, well, first of all, just as a basketball fan, it was awesome to be out there during Summer League. I uh, got, got to see a lot of the games, of course. Uh, what I did was I got tickets to all the days where the Grizzlies played, but I kind of stuck around before and after the games to kind of catch some of the other prospects as well. So I got to see all the Grizzlies games, of course, and then I also got to see the top pick. So I got to see Jabari Smith play, got to see Chet Holmgren, Keegan Murray. Uh, I got to see Jaden Ivey. He ended up getting hurt in the game that I was watching, but I also got to see Jalen Duran. So it was really awesome just to see all those those young guys. And, of course, just loved getting to see the Grizzlies. I've loved the Grizzlies in the summer league. Uh, even when I was, like, in high school, I used to love watching those games during the summer. So it was really exciting to get to go. I've been wanting to go out there for the last couple of years, but it really just hasn't worked out. Obviously, the pandemic messed up one of the years, and then the season was at a different time. So I was at school, so I didn't get to go. So I was really glad that I got to go out there this year, and it was definitely an awesome experience. If you ever have a chance to go, I would definitely suggest going because it was awesome just to be out there with all the players. Uh, and it was like, Got to see a lot of people, got to meet Zach Kleiman, which was really awesome. So, yeah, it was it was a really fun experience. Uh, that is wonderful to hear, man. I've, I've always wanted to go. It's always referred to as the, uh, the Coachella of the NBA. And just, uh, just from, you know, your, whether it's your testimonial there or just podcasts, all that stuff, there's just so many uh, cool aspects about Summer League. And I do kind of want to hear this. I know one of the things that they would say is like, you would just kind of be like casual, like whether it's your hotel or out at a restaurant, casino, whatever you just like random. You're just like, Oh shoot, there there's that NBA player. Did you have any of those moments while you were in uh, Vegas? Yes. So I was, I was at the win. I went to a Chris Tucker show one of the nights I was there oh, yeah. and I was at the win and I, and I walked in and I was just like, Oh, that's Ben Simmons. He was just walking by. And uh, Jose Alvarado was eating at the same restaurant I was eating one night. That was pretty cool. And then uh, Quinn Cook, I saw Quinn Cook a couple times, which was really interesting. That, that's one of the ones you wouldn't really think about. But I saw Quinn Cook like three or four times throughout my time in Vegas. He was just like kind of everywhere. I think he's one of those guys that's just kind of friends with everybody. So yeah. I just I saw him in a bunch of different places. Yeah, that that's all that's all really cool stuff, man. Um, obviously. Like Bryson said, if you're a basketball, a big basketball fan, try to go out to Vegas for one of those summer leagues just, just for the experience, just to so, soak up the vibes of it all. Uh, what, I bet one thing that's nice, too, is you, you get away from the instant reaction, overreaction element that tends to happen with summer league. You just kind of get to enjoy the experience rather than the overreactions. But I do want to kind of go over some uh, takeaways with you, Bryson. Uh, I don't know if um, – if you listening have have had the chance to check out Bryson's summer league takeaways over at grizzlybearblues.com, I highly suggest you do so. It's a great write-up on the event, brought a lot of um, sensibility and just 
you know, kind of looked at both sides of the argument for the Memphis Grizzlies summer league performance. But Bryson, I want to ask you, like, what really stood out to you the most uh, over the course of those past two and a half weeks or so of summer league? Yeah, the thing that really stood out to me, well, going into it, I was I wanted to watch Zaire. That was the number one thing. And I think the thing that really stood out to me was kind of his growth in shot creation and his ability to kind of get to the mid-range jumper. I feel like that was a big thing that people talked about him kind of coming out of high school and college. And if you go back and look at him when he was like at Sierra Canyon in high school, he did a ton of that. But then last year, it felt like most of the time he was more of just like a catch and shoot guy. So we didn't get to see him with the ball in his hands as much, but then in summer league, we got to see him basically be the point guard and have the ball in his hands more than ever before. And I think the thing that really stood out to me was obviously he made some mistakes. Uh, he had some turnovers. Some of the times when he was dribbling, it, it kind of looked a little wonky. It, it didn't look like he had the best handles all the time, but he showed that he can get to those mid range jumpers and he can be like a secondary ball handler he, he, he did really well when Kennedy Chandler came in and was the main point guard and he could kind of be the second secondary ball handler, which I think is really what they're going to be needing from him going forward, because he's probably going to be out there with either John Morant or Tyus Jones most of the time. But I really thought that that stood out to me. I think that was the number one thing. And then kind of like his scoring upside that maybe he can not. Obviously, everybody wants to say that he's going to make the Desmond Bain jump, but the Desmond Bain jump was put him in the most improved player conversation. Like that's not a normal year to year jump. He doubled his scoring average. I don't know if he's going to do that, but something similar like that, where we see a lot more of his game this year, kind of the same way we did with Desmond Bain, because his rookie year, he was basically just a catch and shoot player as well. For sure. Yeah. And I, I will say that's probably the thing that stood out to me the most. And you kind of hit the nail on the head on this, like, People are kind of pinning this Desmond Bain-esque jump from Zaire Williams, when that's kind of an unfair uh, kind of standard to set. Now, it's nothing against Zaire either. Like, for one, Bain is about three years older than Zaire Williams. So, obviously, there's a little bit more physical maturation there. But also, too, that like what Desmond Bain did is a very difficult jump to do. Uh, obviously, you said increased his uh, scoring average, uh, nearly doubling it. He also took three more three-pointers per game while also maintaining that efficiency, which going from shooting 43% on four attempts to shooting 43% on seven, ten, uh, seven attempts is just absolutely nuts. And also, too, I think one of the things that kind of stands out in this that I don't think – Zaire is going to have the same luxury is there was a runway of opportunity for Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain, after Grayson Allen was traded, he kind of emerged as the starting two guard after kind of like a little bit of an unspoken uh, starting two guard uh, battle between him and DeAnthony Melton. That opportunity is not going to happen to Zaire Williams because he's going to be playing behind Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks. But with what this summer league has shown, it's shown that with Zaire Williams, what he needs to be is he needs to be that go-to perimeter guy off the bench. I'm not talking about this like Lou Will, Jordan Clarkson, Tyler Hero kind of guy. Like, can he just be like I, I'm looking at his basketball reference page right now? Can he up his three-point percentage 
Um, 31% to about 35, 36%. Could he alleviate some playmaking responsibilities off of Tyus Jones, like how Melton did for Tyus? Uh, and also, too, like you hit the nail on the head. The, the playmaking and the shot creation, those stood out like crazy because when it comes to the mid range, there's only two guys that can, aside from probably, aside from Ja, I'll exclude Ja from this, that can legitimately create in the mid-range without going to a floater. And that's Dylan Brooks and Zaire Williams. So Zaire getting more comfort there is important for just the flow and the variability of the offense. But also, too, with the playmaking, yeah, there were were some tough times. His handle's not the best at the moment. And then he also did have a lot of high – or several high turnover games. But – he also made some legit reads. Like you saw these games where he had like seven or eight assists and you always try to, I always try to see how are they getting those assists? Are there legitimate playmaking flashes in that? And Zaire made some incredible reads. And I know too, he even critiqued himself and said that there were times where he was missing uh, Jake LaRavia in the corner on threes. And now he's like, well, I understand now from whenever I'm in the corner, I understand why I may not be getting those looks from Dez or Tyus or Jaws. It's I, I see that now. I definitely agree. That's probably the probably the brightest thing to take away from summer league at the moment. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And like you said, there was a couple of high turnover games, but I also kind of I have to like you got to remember that if there's ever a time where Zaire is actually going to be playing that role in the regular season, that would mean that like somebody get hurt or something like that. Like, he's not going to be asked to play point guard. It's more of, like, being a secondary facilitator. And I think he definitely showed enough to where I can be confident that he could be a secondary facilitator and take a little bit of the load off of Ja or Tyus when they're in the game. Because I think that's the main thing, is that whenever Ja and Tyus are in the game, it sometimes it feels like they have to create for everybody because there's nobody else out there that can create their own shot. And then Zaire adding that ability to create his own shot and also being a secondary playmaker, like you said, I think that's going to be really good for the Grizzlies going forward. And I I really liked what I saw from him in the summer league. Obviously, like we keep saying, going back, you got to you got to keep it. Try not to be too high or too low on everything just because it is summer league. Obviously, there were some mistakes, but. All in all, I think he showed that he has the potential to do it and the potential to get better. And I think that's the number one thing because he's only 20 years old. Mm -hmm. For sure. No, definitely some awesome stuff there from uh, Zaire Williams. Awesome stuff to build upon. I mean, for one, when it comes to what's going to translate from summer league to the regular season or the postseason, Zaire Williams, his jumper looks smooth and he looks confident in doing so. And with Jaron Jackson out there, they're, they're going to need some more surefire perimeter firepower um, in his absence. And I think Zaire Williams is a guy that can really perfectly fill that role. Yeah, no, that I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that's going to be a big thing for him this season. He's going to be asked to do a little bit more, especially without Kyle Anderson kind of being out there who – as was another guy off the bench who did a little bit of the playmaking. So he's going to be asked to do a lot more this season, but I think he's ready for it. Yes, absolutely. And we need to also talk about the other second-year guy, uh, Santi Aldama. It was a tale of two summer leagues for Santi. 
obviously I I've, I mentioned on Twitter I didn't get to be as in tuned with summer league as um, as others because I decided to go on vacation with my fiance during that time and uh, just judging on Twitter you would have thought that Santi Aldama in one of those games played the absolute worst game we've ever seen from any Grizzly alive and I I think when it, that's kind of the the harm and summer league overreactions and you're just like okay whatever like I'll you know it's gonna be okay and it was okay because almost the very next game he had 31 points on 12 of 14 shooting and I know in one game I think it was the game before that against the Clippers he had six steals and two blocks like and that I think that with without Kyle Anderson in the fold now and with Jaron Jackson Jr. out that's a ticket to playing time right there so for Probably the player who was one of the more polarizing figures for Grizzlies Twitter uh, when it comes to summer league play. Um, Bryson, just tell me what were your thoughts on um, second team all summer league player Santi Aldama? Yeah, so in, in that first summer league game, I actually did one of the recaps, and I, I think I gave him an F for that game because it was like he played really bad. And it wasn't just on offense, it was on defense too. He kind of got attacked in the pick and roll and everything like that. But then I, I always say that everybody has bad games. I mean, you can look at, I think LeBron had an eight point game in the finals one time. So it's one of those things where everybody has bad nights. I, I like to see it how, how you respond really tells me the kind of player you are. And he responded with two really impressive games right after that, and especially in that 31 point game. Because watching that, it was like, if it, it felt like he was playing, like I can't even really describe it because it really looked like he was playing against guys that were not even on his level at times. Because he he was scoring inside, he was scoring on the outside. I think he had four three pointers in that game, and he really kind of showed everything that I think Zach Kleiman and the rest of the front office and all of those guys saw in him when he was in college and the reason why they ended up trading up to get him. So I think that he played really well in that game. He really improved on the defensive end too, which I think that's going to be the number one thing that's going to get him on the court. Uh, he had some nice blocks. He had some nice steals. Like you said, he had six steals in one of those games. And it was one of those things where I looked at the stats and I was like, well, he has six steals. Like, you, you never see that from a guy that's playing center. So it, it was really exciting to see kind of his growth throughout the summer. And especially since he was one of the guys who going into it, you wanted to see him. Uh, maybe I don't, he wasn't necessarily the first option, probably like the second option. But you never really get to see Santi Aldama as a second option anywhere besides the hustle. So it was really interesting to see him out there and then see him play with Zaire because they could be a bench duo, maybe, especially at the beginning of the season, because Jaron's out, like we said. And I think that was the main thing, is since Jaron's going to be out at the beginning of the season, we know Santi Aldama is going to be asked to do a little bit more than he was last year. He's probably going to get more minutes than he did last year, and they're going to be more important minutes than they were last year, especially at the beginning of the season. So it was good to see that he has some scoring, he has some defense, obviously, he's not going to completely replace Jaron Jackson Jr. And it wouldn't be fair to expect him to, but just that he can do enough in his absence to maybe keep the Grizzlies afloat. Even if he is just coming off the bench and giving them 10, 15 minutes a game, he showed that he can give you some offense. He can give you some defense and he can kind of just do enough to hold you over until he gets back. 
Absolutely. And I tell you what, if, if you would have had people telling, telling you that the Grizzlies are really going to be counting on Santi Aldama next year, you would think, oh, man, what, what just happened? Uh, but I, I really think in this summer league performance, he really did show like he could be if he played within himself, he he could definitely be a guy that's a rotation player next year. And uh, I, I will say when it comes to figuring out the rotation, who's going to be the starting four on opening night, who's going to be the other backup forward. I'm going to kind of steal the flow a little bit from my former site manager, Joe Molinax, call me at Christmas take. Say, call me in the fall. I want to see how a lot of these guys look next to John Morant, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. Um, I want to see just how they flow within an NBA structure. I want to see how they are in Taylor Jenkins' structure. And, um, yeah, I just, want, I, I just want to see all that first. But I think Santi Aldama provides something really unique that's not really in the other tools of the other reserve big men. For one, he's three inches taller than Laravia Clark, and then he's all and then Tilly if you count Tilly and Tillman if you count them, and he's f- five six inches taller than David Roddy. He has some fluidity. He can shoot the. He's shown he showed in summer league he can shoot the three ball, which is surprising. But obviously, you look at his rookie year percentage, you're like, oh, you're sure about that? So finding that three ball is going to be imperative, and then also too if he can just create havoc and events defensively at the rate at which he did in summer league. That could be his ticket to playing time. And it just, I, I feel like the, the narrative going into the season when it comes to the rotation, is just expect the unexpected. And it all starts with Santi Aldama there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's, that's a good way to look at it. You got to expect the unexpected, especially with, obviously we're going to talk about the rookies next having five mm-hmm. rookies on the roster. You know, you never know what they're going to give you, who's going to have to play. And then there's always you. I mean, you look at last season with all the COVID stuff, that stuff probably isn't going to go away anytime soon. Uh, people are still getting it and stuff like that. There's still other variants and stuff coming out. So even though it's not going to be as big of a deal, there's probably going to still be some guys that have to miss some time because of stuff like that. So there's going to be a lot of guys that are going to get some kind of playing time or something like that, that maybe we weren't expecting going into this off season. But I do think that they've kind of made the right moves to where those guys are going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's get on to the rookies. What what would you say would be your biggest takeaway regarding the rookies? And by the rookies, we're, we're not talking about like the guys that will mainly primarily be on the hustle. We're talking about Jake Laravia, David Roddy, Kennedy Chandler, Vince Williams, and Kenneth Lofton Jr. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I mean, the biggest takeaway for me was David Roddy. Uh, I mean, obviously, Kenneth Lofton Jr. had an amazing summer league as well. I'll talk about him a little bit, too. But I do feel like David Roddy is the one who is probably going to get more minutes than Kenneth Lofton Jr. just to start. Uh, Especially, like we said, they're looking for people that play the three and the four, can play the wing a little bit. And I think he can do that, uh, especially with Jaron being out and then losing Kyle Anderson. They're going to need people to kind of make up for that. Uh, I think he can do that. I, I really liked what I saw from him defensively. Uh, I think one of the things that I was worried about is how quick is he on his feet and stuff like that. I hadn't seen a ton of his, a ton of him when he was at Colorado state. And I think he really held his own on the defensive end and played pretty well on that side. And then he kind of found his role on the summer league team. 
as he kind of kept playing. He started a little bit slower, and I, that's to, to be expected, I think, because when he was at Colorado State, he was the guy, and he was the guy that was going to get the ball on every possession. He was touching the ball and stuff like that. At the beginning of summer league, he kind of had to adjust to that, but he found ways to score, uh, and he scored at all three levels. He had some really exciting dunks as well, which has really got me thinking about like those fast breaks and stuff with him running the fast break. But he also scored really well on the inside. And then he started slow with his outside shot, but kind of started picking it up a little bit later. And then I saw like last night he was playing at a pro-am tournament and had like 46 or something. So I think he's going to be fine. Uh, I'm really excited to see what he does. And then Kenneth Lofton Jr., I think the big thing for him is how much of that is going to translate just because he is undersized. Uh, obviously, he's a really big guy and he likes to play that kind of bully ball, Zach Randolph-esque moves that he had in the summer league that were really exciting to see. Uh, I, I do think that he, he deserves to get a shot in training camp, especially with all these extra minutes that are going to be up in the air that not really sure who's going to get it. I think he should get a shot at training camp and maybe even get some rotational minutes early in the season just to see what he can do against NBA competition. Because I feel like he's one of those guys that coming, come, even coming out of high school, the reason why he ended up at Louisiana Tech was that people weren't really sure if he could score at the college level. And then you go back to like that under 19 tournament where he was arguably the best player on that team and was taking it at Victor Wimbanyama, who's probably going to be the number one pick last year and scoring on him. And he's seven, three. So it's one of those things where, well, he's shown that he can do it. Let's see if he can do it on an NBA level, NBA scale. So I'm really excited to see what he's going to do going forward. I do think he's primarily going to play for the hustle this year. Uh, along with maybe Kennedy Chandler will play a little bit for the hustle. I said in my article that I think he's going to be one of those guys who he's going to travel with the team and stuff like that. But whenever he's at home, I think if, if he's at home and the hustle are playing home games, he should be the starting point guard for them just because I think that would be beneficial for him rather than just sitting on the bench behind John Tyus for most of the season. Uh, but I, I'm really excited. I really liked what I saw from the rookies and, I think it was Ja that said uh, Zach Kleiman did it again. I think I think I think Zach Kleiman had a pretty solid draft when you look at it uh, all in all. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of fit into those roles next to Ja and Jaron when he gets back, and then uh, Bain and Clark and Dylan Brooks and Stephen Adams and all those guys. But I do think that just coming into training camp, they showed a lot to be excited about going forward. Absolutely. I definitely agree. And I will say one thing that really stood out with Roddy, and I want to give credit to uh, to Michael Cole, the commercial appeal for pointing this out, is like Roddy's really good at like leaking out and getting in transition. And that's something that's an MO for the Grizzlies. But also, too, just on his individual front, Bryce, I don't know if you noticed this, comparing his days from Colorado State to um, Summer League, and it even showed in the pro-am highlights last night. Like, does he, doesn't he look like he kind of slimmed down a little bit? Yes, I think he definitely did slim down a little bit. It, and it, it seems like he's like a step quicker as well yeah. from what I've seen. And I think I saw that really on the dunks. It seems like he, he's, he's jumping with a little bit more force as well. So I, I think you can definitely tell he's been in the gym 
And I think with the Grizzlies development team and all that, they're going to get him right when it comes to uh, the way he's eating and his workouts and everything like that. So mm-hmm. by the time the season rolls around, I think he's going to look great. Yeah. And I think that shows a real commitment to being more of that combo forward because, you know, when Zach Kleiman said combo forward on draft night uh, to the media afterwards, obviously you look at David Roddy and you're like, are you sure he could play the three in the NBA? And here he is kind of slimmed up and there's promise for him to do so. Uh, obviously, uh, Kenneth Lofton was a very impressive. If there was any sort of gambling odds to place on him winning G League MVP for next season, I would be placing those, but I would also need an intervention because I'm making bets on the G League. Uh, but just two things that really stood out to me, um, I guess on the other players too, where I think Kennedy Chandler is in a really good setup getting to learn under John Moran and Tyus Jones. And he definitely showed flashes of being that good change of pace back up point guard. Um, he made, he made some good reads, found good chemistry in the pick and roll. He knows how to find cutters. Uh, I will say he does. The thing he does need to work on right now is his jump shot. Uh, but I, I think he will benefit from a, a year in the G league and just, absorbing as much as he can uh, with John Morant, uh, Tyus Jones, and the coaching staff as well. And also, too, I know uh, people, and I know you wrote about this in your article, people pointing to Jay Clarabia's uh, struggles. I know he really was – he wasn't really shooting the ball all that much. Obviously, he showed in that first game. He was 4-7 from three-point range, and that's the kind of stuff you're like, oh, that that's why the Grizzlies – took Jake LaRavia, and even then, uh, I, I even had, you know, uh, draft experts that were watching, or I had national guys that were watching uh, the summer league games, and just following along with as much as I can, the stuff I had to miss is that Jake LaRavia was making just really good plays that don't stand out in the box score. Obviously, for him to really distinguish himself as a bonafide rotation player next year, he's going to need to shoot a little bit more. I'm not worried about that at all i think he is one taylor jenkins let that beep fly from being just fine and also too and this is where i get with summer league in particular with the way the grizzlies are structuring it but guys like laravia guys like roddy um, even last year i thought this was a uh zaire williams could I see them next to John Morant and Tyus Jones first before I make any sort of judgment on them? And I guess now in this case, can I see them next to Desmond Bain? Because these guys right now, and this is no disrespect to the player, they're playing with a, a second-round point guard who's more likely going to be a starter in the G League or the third-string Grizzlies uh, point guard. They're playing with a 3-and-D wing that's looking to expand his playmaking chops and obviously, as we talked about, there it's a mixed bag of results there. And then their other point guard, Tremont Waters, was a guy that's kind of fighting for his chance to be back in the league and more likely going to be in the G League next year. So can I see them with actual NBA players? I'm not – I know people wanted to dog on Jake Laravia. I I've keep pointing to this guy as a reference – and I'm not saying that he's going to be the caliber of player this guy is, but I kind of compare it to Franz Wagner, who looked awful in summer league and preseason last year. And I'm just reading a tweet from uh, Keith Smith of uh, Spotrack, 
and Celtics blog, he had a tweet saying he talked to a scout that told him not to worry about summer league struggles with Franz because, quote, that's barely a step up, step above pickup. Wagner uh, is never going to look good just running up and down the floor. And assist him with some structure. He'll be fine. Judge him in the season. I'm going to have that same judgment with Jake Larabia. I think he's going to be perfectly fine alongside guys like John Morant, Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. I think he's going to be good. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think if you look at the way that he played in college, I do think that he's one of those guys that is a little bit more like he, he needs a little bit more structure. He's not necessarily a guy where you can just pick up and he's going to take you off the dribble and do that kind of stuff. And I think those guys do kind of struggle in summer league. But I think another thing that it, it wasn't necessarily that he was missing a bunch of shots. He just didn't take a lot of shots. And I, and I, when he did take shots, obviously in that first game, he hit shots. And I think that when you run him out there with Ja and Desmond Bain, and he's not one of the guys that you're worried about out there, really, you, you kind of like, you, you can kind of like fall asleep watching Ja and watching Bain with the ball in their hands. And you're so worried about them. And then, Oh, Jake LaRavia is wide open for wing three. And I think that's one of those things where, if, if, he, if he's going to get open threes, he's going to knock them down. And I think that he, pr- he proved that from when he was in college. And then he proved that when he did shoot the ball and he had open looks, he usually knocked them down. Uh, he just didn't take a lot of shots. I think that was the thing that I kind of – I was a little bit disappointed in that. I want, And I, I wanted to see them run a few more sets for him, uh, kind of running him off the screens and stuff like that to see if he could get some more open threes because I think that's going to be the thing that they're really going to be looking at kind of similar to what they did with Desmond Bain, his rookie year where they kind of ran him off the screens and just tried to get him open threes. I think they're going to run a lot of kind of stuff like that for him. Uh, But they, I just feel like they didn't do a lot of that. I think they were focused more on making Zaire make decisions with the ball in his hand more than getting Jake LaRavia open shots, which is understandable because I think you're like, I, I, the big thing is, I think Jake Jake Laravia. My my number one concern about Jake Laravia is not whether or not he can shoot. Like we know that he can shoot. We, we saw it in college. We've seen it in all of his workouts and stuff like that. Dude is a shooter. That's the number one thing about him. That's the reason why they picked him up. And I think that if he gets open shots, he's gonna knock them down. And I do think that kind of going with Zaire makes sense to kind of focus on him. And like, like you said, Zaire said he missed him a couple times, which I think that was also true. He did have some times where maybe he could have had some open shots where he just didn't get the ball. And that's one of the things that happens in summer league. Like you said, it's kind of more pickup. A lot of these guys didn't even know they were going to be playing with each other two or three weeks before it started. So I think when they get into training camp, they get some more chemistry with the other guys, uh, with the other rookies, as well as with the more established players like we were talking about with Ja and Bain and those guys. I think that he's going to look great once he's next to them. And I did like the things he did defensively. Uh, he, he had really active hands. Uh, he had a couple really impressive blocks, too, in a couple of those games that I thought were really interesting to see. I, I, I like his defensive upside, and I like the way that he can affect the game without having the ball in his hands, which is what we saw. And then uh, he, he, he was really good as like a connective passer. 
as mm-hmm. well. He, he wasn't always the one that got the assist, but he swung the ball really quickly. And then he did have a couple of playmaking flashes, like you said. I think there was a really nice one where he kind of threw like a one-handed pass. I think it was to Zaire, and then he dunked, and I was like, okay, I, I see it. I, oh, yeah. I see okay. I, I see what they see. So uh, I think that it's going to be fine once we get into regular season. And I, I, I agree. Once we see them next to the other NBA caliber players, that's when I'll hold off for my for real judgment. But for now, I still think that even though it was a little bit disappointing, I, I'm not worried about Jake LaRavia just yet. No, same here. I, I'm going to, like I said, call me in the fall. I mean, also, too. Uh, before I uh, get into the break and uh, get to the question of the day, I do want to say, like last year, Zaire Williams looked raw as hell in summer league. He did not look ready to play NBA basketball. And then fast forward a year, he was a guy that ended up looking pretty solid, starting 30 games on a 56-win team. The team went like 21-8 and eight or 21-9 and nine with him as, in the starting lineup. He was closing playoff games. He ended up being just fine when you get him in a system. And I'm going to hold a lot of the same judgments here. But let's get to the ad break real quick. And on the other side, we will get to one more question. And then the question of the day. So do not go anywhere. We'll be right back. All right. So, Bryson, we talked a lot about Summer League. Uh, I'm going to make this one question pretty quick. Uh, Out of all the stuff that we just talked about with some of these uh, Summer League takeaways, what would you say is the most translatable thing from summer league to the regular season? I think that I'm going to go with David Roddy's play because he played a lot like the way I think he would have to play in the regular season. Kind of as like uh, uh, he played on the wing a lot more. Uh, he he got to the rim pretty well. I think that it, I, I think the way he played translates. I think that was one thing because they, I know that when he's at Colorado State, he posted up a lot more than maybe he probably will in the NBA. And he didn't really have to get into the post as much as I thought he was going to have to. And I think that is the thing that's going to translate the most for him. So I would say that. And then also, I'm going to go with the Zaire Williams shot creation still, just because we've seen a lot of guys. I know, I know you said he's not expected to be Jordan Clarkson or Lou Will or something, but we've seen guys like that that have similar games that can get get their shot off the dribble in the mid-range like Tyler Hero. That was another guy you mentioned. Not saying that he's going to go out there and average 20 points per game off the bench or anything. Even if he's only averaging 12 or 13 points, I, I still think that that's something that's gonna, that we're going to see a lot more from him going forward for this season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think we'll see some pretty powerful stuff um, off the bounce from David Roddy, whether that's cutting for a dunk, getting out in transition. I think that's some pretty translatable stuff into Zaire Williams and his mid in his uh, mid range creation. Like I said, that's something that only one other wing really provides in the mid range. And I think having another guy like that, especially when you're losing some bench firepower with DeAnthony Melton and Kyle Anderson, it's going to be very important for, Dyer Williams to take that step. So I'm going to go with that one. Um, But let's get on to the question of the day. Thank you to the 116 votes, uh, the accounts that voted on this poll. 
the question was which player helped themselves the most in summer league 13.8% of y'all said Zaire Williams 29.3% of y'all said Santi Aldama 3.4% of y'all said David Roddy and an overwhelming 53.4% of y'all said Kenneth Lofton Jr. Bryson what was your vote on the poll and what is your reasoning behind that I yeah I also voted for Kenneth Lofton Jr. on that just because whenever you're an undrafted player, I think that summer league means so much more to you than obviously David Roddy and Santi Aldama. Those guys were first round picks. They knew that they were going to be on the team next year. And I think even though Kenneth Lofton did sign that two way deal, I think that the way he played in summer league earned him more looks in training camp than he probably originally would have gotten. And then even if he doesn't, if just looking at from an individual standpoint for him, I think that even if he doesn't end up playing for the Grizzlies this year, I think he earned more looks from other teams by the way that he played in summer league. So it's one of those things as maybe if after this year, the Grizzlies decide to move on from him, there's going to be a lot of teams that would still look at him as a possibility to either be on their G League team, be on their summer league team as well. But uh, I, I do think he's going to end up staying with the Grizzlies. But just looking at it from his individual standpoint, I think he helped himself the most. Uh, he was the second leading scorer in the summer league. Got a lot. He, he went viral multiple times for those buckets that he had on Chet Holmgren as well, which I think really helped him. And when I was tweeting out stuff about his play, I feel like that got more interaction than any of the other players on summer league like when I was putting out like his points some of his highlights and stuff on the timeline I feel like a lot of people really liked the way that he played and it was kind of like a throwback game and I think that this summer league really helped him more than anybody else on the team uh, well, like I said we'll see what happens with if it translates into minutes for the Grizzlies but regardless of if it does I think he helped himself in terms of a notoriety standpoint, and also just from what the other teams are looking at him as well, in case he doesn't end up staying with the Grizzlies long-term. Yeah, I, I totally get that. Um, I I will get to my vote here in a minute, but I mean, Kenneth Lofton Jr., he went from a guy where, you know, kind of questioned, you're like, okay, this guy, kind of a, I think he was a one-and-done, maybe a two-and-done prospect might have come out a little early but you know what cool he's on a two-way it's no big deal and he ends up being a, a f- really fun player to watch i think i read it, a, a espn summer league superlatives piece from kevin pelton that said kenneth lofton was the most fun player to watch in summer league definitely a unique style of play and he went from somebody where it's like okay two-way guy sure to now you're like okay how long can can this guy be on a two-way because I, I think there's a very real possibility, especially with um, Killian Tilly's unknown uh, health situation and then Xavier Tillman reaching the end of his deal, the Grizzlies, they might look to strike again with another deal similar to the first one that John Conchar got when it comes to Kenneth Lofton and really try to nab up some long-term value with this guy. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not with everyone else yet on making him a rotation guy. I'm not there yet, but that's yeah, a fun player to watch. Like I, that's a guy I would go to South South Haven to watch play because he's definitely going to be a fun player to keep keep tabs on. Um, I, I'm going to be short and sweet with mine just because I rambled a lot about him in the first segment. But my guy was Santi Aldama. 
mainly because it was one of those things where it's like this was a big summer league for him, uh, you know, just being a sophomore, um, having the NBA under your belt and knowing the system, you're, you kind of have a little bit higher expectations, but you also might have the most to lose in that situation because if you kind of show any sort of signs of regression or stagnation, you, you're, it's kind of like, oh, well, where does this guy fit in the plans? And also, too, like the Grizzlies, they drafted Jake LaRavia and David Roddy, guys in similar positions. Obviously, you have you saw Xavier Tillman fighting for a rotation spot. You have Killian Tilly, Kenneth Lofton. So it's like, okay, um, with Jaron Jackson Jr. out, there's spots open. Who's a guy that could take advantage of it? And I think Santi Aldama is positioning himself to um, be the next man up. When it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr. being out, I would not be surprised if it's Santi Aldama. And I think he proved that with his summer league play once the game started slowing down with just his fluidity, the outside shot falling, creating defensive events, just utilizing his size and realizing, oh, hey, I'm one of the I'm one of the tallest guys out here. Let me get to my spots, get to my shot, boom. Now let's go play defense and turn defense into offense. So I gotta go with Santi. I was very impressed. Also, also too, just um, just a, just really liked and was impressed with the mental aspect of it because, you know, he did not play well to start and he could have just gotten in his own head and it ruined the rest of his summer league, but he used that to kind of work on his mental and bounce right back the next game and really just string together a really strong end to summer league. So I think Santi and Kenneth Lofton definitely did themselves a lot of good in the summer league. Yeah, I, I like that pick as well. I think Santi Aldama did a lot to help his – kind of like his outlook on the team to where do you think he can be. I think a lot of people still coming into summer league were like, uh, is he a guy that is capable of getting rotation minutes in the NBA? Of course, we still have to see if he can do that on an NBA level. But I feel much better about it than I did two or three weeks ago. I feel much better about his ability to kind of contribute to the team – and make up for a little bit of what is going to be lost with Jaron to start the season. Absolutely. So, yeah, obviously nobody ever really wants to overreact and draw too many conclusions from summer league, whether that's on the negative side of it or on the positive. I mean, we've seen the positive side of it with guys like Wayne Selden and Josh Selby. So you just kind of got to let it all marinate a little bit, see how it looks in the regular season. But nonetheless, I think there was a lot of very good translatable areas from the Summer League to take. And I think there's a lot of joy in the Summer League performance uh, that we just saw over the past several weeks. Bryson, do you have anything else to add before we conclude this show? Oh, yeah. I'll I, I just say that I know I said it earlier, but if, if anybody listening to this is thinking about going to Summer League, even if it's only going for a couple of days and not staying the whole time like I did, I would definitely suggest it. Uh, it's pretty affordable. You can you can get a ticket for the whole day for like $50 and see six or seven games going back and forth. Everything is at the same arena. Uh, you can see your team. You can see the top prospects. So if you ever have a chance to go and get out there, I would definitely take it because I, I, I think I'm going to be trying to go out there pretty much every year. Uh, we'll see what happens going forward, but it was it was a lot of fun. Absolutely, yeah. Y'all make sure to to go do that. I know it's something I would love to do at some point. Um, who knows who knows when it'll be? 
hopefully it's uh hopefully it's soon but uh i was really glad that bryson got to go out there and experience that um he's he's one of the best followers on grizzlies twitter and just seeing the stuff that he's able to provide from a summer league aspect was just 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 continuing to do great stuff so uh thank you bryson for joining the show being a part of the gbb team you can find him on twitter at bryson right three and you can follow me on Twitter at Paca underscore Flocka. Follow the blog on Twitter at SBN Grizzlies. Check out all of our work over at grizzlybearblues.com. Even in the dog days of summer, we will be here providing Grizzlies content. Make sure you're subscribing to the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. So you can get every single episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live, the Starting Five podcast, and then some new podcasts coming out here soon. So y'all don't want to miss out on that. With that, it's uh, GBB Next Gen. You hear me? We'll be back soon.